Rusty Quill presents. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, everyone. It's Monsi. What you're about to listen to is an extended excerpt of the episode, Remind Me to Tell You Later. Batibat. We're aiming to get to 1,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash hainaipod. That's H-I-N-A-Y-P-O-D. If we reach 1,000 subscribers before the end of December 2022, we will be posting the complete episode to Podbean, YouTube, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Batibat is an episode in which Mary recounts the time she and her nanai were called by a rich family to exorcise a spirit called a batibat, a spirit of trees that have been cut down, which, in revenge for losing its home, kills people in their sleep. But nothing is what it seems, even in a house full of wood and nightmares. The content warnings for this episode include sleep paralysis horror, the inclusion of child characters, and mild physical abuse. Additional information. A batibat, also known as a bagungot, is known for smothering people to death in their sleep, and is often mentioned when talking about mysterious deaths in someone's sleep without any known medical explanation. This episode was written by co-creator Reg Helly. You're listening to Hainai by Motsi Dapul. Remind me to tell you later. Batibat. When we were dating, Ira used to always say that sleep paralysis was as close as you can get to pure, unbridled panic outside of the waking world. Maybe even worse, because of the powerlessness 
the inability to move, to fight, or flee, or even scream. She used to get bouts of sleep paralysis nightmares for days at a time, a few times a year. She likes to joke that they're the reason she has an aversion to a normal sleep cycle. They disappeared altogether when Lolong came to live with her, but before that, performing cleansing rituals to ward off the nightmares became as much part of our dating lives as alternating who paid for coffee. I didn't mind. Warding magic was one of the first spells I'd learned at that point, and it was pretty much muscle memory to perform it. I was 14 when I first started learning it. At that age, Nana liked to take me along with her on assignments, either to observe her at work or help out where I could. This one job took us all the way to Palawan, a large island region in the western part of the Philippines. Nana's services had been called on to solve the mysterious death of the family patriarch. All rich people have at least one albulario or babaylan on call, so it wasn't unusual for us to be flown out of Luzon for an all-expenses-paid work trip. The Castillos had only been a week into their summer vacation when Edmundo Castillo had begun having nightmares. Bangungot, we like to call them. He had them every night, but his wife, Jean Castillo, had not thought much of them, not even in the final few days when he declared he thought he would die. He died in his sleep on the seventh night. The autopsy couldn't find anything wrong with him. He was apparently perfectly healthy for his age, except for, well, except for the fact that he was dead. That was about all the information we could get from the first few phone calls. The family lived in a lavish, Spanish-style mansion, old enough to have been built in that era, but clearly newly renovated. We were welcomed by a maid, dressed in a housekeeper's uniform. The house had been modernized to fit the trendier styles, but a lot of the character was in the wooden floors and ceilings and accents that I could tell had been retained from the original Spanish-era structure. We had just stepped into the large foyer when Jing walked in, carrying herself proudly. You must be to the two inns! Welcome, welcome! Yes, Miss Jing. Thank you for having us. Nanai said with practiced formality. I'm so sorry to hear about your loss. Yes, it's a sad time for us, especially the kids. Mrs. Castilia replied. They should be just around. You'll meet them later. But come, let's get to business. Your daughter can stay here in the living room. I'll have the yaya serve her food. Thank you. But my daughter will be helping me with my work, so it's best she listens into our discussion. Mrs. Castilia eyed me warily. She looked like she wanted to argue, but instead nodded and led us to a poolside veranda, where a merienda of sandwiches and juice was already laid out on the table. There was a short discussion conducted really only by Nana and Mrs. Castillo. I was expected to simply listen and observe. I didn't mind, really. I was grateful that Nana trusted me enough to insist on involving me. They went over the details we already knew, albeit with a little more dramatic flair from Mrs. Castillo. Nana would nod sympathetically at the appropriate moments. It must have been traumatizing for your husband to die beside you in your sleep. Oh, we don't sleep in the same bed. I see. And you want us to solve the mystery of your husband's death? Yes, and I haven't told anyone this, but my daughter, she she began having nightmares five days ago. Her only daughter, the youngest of three kids, if I remember correctly, eight years old. Bangungot were not unusual in itself, but 
Definitely unusual in kids that age. You should have called us earlier, Miss Jing. Nanai softly reprimanded. It seems you have a batibat in your home. Nanai explained. A batibat is a creature of the forest. When angered, it induces sleep paralysis nightmares into its victims for seven nights before killing them in their sleep. They're common in houses with plenty of wooden structures. Normally, the wood was taken from a tree they used to reside in, and they take revenge on the house's inhabitants for destroying their home. Nana immediately registered the skepticism on Mrs. Castillo's face, and cut her off before she could say anything. You called on us for a reason, remember? Mrs. Castillo could not form a response to that. Nana simply nodded and informed her of the procedures you would perform to ward off the batibat. A simple enough process. A talisman in each room of the house to trap the batibat within the wood it resides in, and a cleansing ritual for extra protection. We were shown to our rooms, but despite the travel fatigue, Nanai wasted no time in preparing the tools for a ritual. She was practical like that. No nonsense. She already had a good idea of what the cause of Edmundo Castillo's death was, just from the initial phone conversations, so she had everything ready. When Nanai asked me to help, I did my best to mask my excitement. Most I did on my Nanai's assignments was observe, though I suspected the hands-on training would become more frequent as I got older. We started in the guest bedroom. I got to place the candles and spread the salt as Nanai did everything else. She took out a pocket knife that I'd seen her use regularly for rituals that needed anything sharp. I never ask how she manages to get it past airport security. She used it to nick her hand and daub the slightest bit of blood onto paper talismans, which she stuck to the highest point in the corner of every room. When she was done, I lit each candle as she chanted the same mantra in a loud whisper, and blew them out as soon as she finished. We did the same for every bedroom. We came across more household staff and passed by Mrs. Castillo by the pool. We saw none of the kids, even as we worked on each of their bedrooms. It was a large house. Even with Nanai's efficiency, it took us until after sundown to finish. Mrs. Castillo looked surprised when Nanai informed her of the finished work, especially when Nanai insisted that we stay two nights instead of one to make sure it stuck. She probably thought we were trying to scam our way into an extended paid vacation, but one look at my Nanai's face seemed to convince her. It was dinner that we finally met the Castillo children. Joshua, much, much older than any of us, who worked for his parents' company, didn't take kindly to our presence. The middle child, Inigo, who was just about my age, didn't pay us any mind. And the youngest, Sophie, was just an absolute sweetheart. I smiled at her as we were introduced, and she smiled back and giggled shyly. The family were all in black to signify their mourning, but it seemed like only the kids' moods matched the clothing. Mrs. Castillo talked animatedly through dinner, chatting about anything and everything that wasn't about the current situation. The only time she wasn't too keen to get into detail was when Nana asked about the nature of her business. Just some trading and manufacturing here and there, she said with a wave of her hand, and quickly changed the subject. Nana and I didn't stay long after the meal. She didn't show it, but I knew she was exhausted. An afternoon full of rituals was definitely starting to catch up with her, and I didn't want to be left alone and awkward at the table. We excused ourselves, and Joshua took the opportunity to leave as well. I understood. I was the same way when Tatai died. With Joshua leaving, Mrs. Castillo decided it was time to usher the two other kids to bedtime. Inigo kissed his mom goodnight and left quietly. Sophie made to leave as well, but not before calling out first. Yeah, Lani, can you come with me to sleep? 
one of the maids stepped out of the kitchen. She was the same one who welcomed us when we arrived. She walked over and smilingly took Sophie's hand in hers and jokingly chided that she was too big to be tucked into bed. I bade Mrs. Castilia good night, and she amicably did the same. But as I stepped into the hallway out of the dining area, I heard a short, weary sigh behind me. We were alone when we sat down for breakfast the next morning. Joshua and Inigo were nowhere to be seen, and Mrs. Castillo preferred to take her morning coffee and cigarette by the veranda. It was Sophie who ended up joining us as we were about halfway through our meal. She looked so tired. More tired than an eight-year-old should ever have to be. Lanny came to her with a ready dish of rice, scrambled egg, and tender juicy hot dogs, a different fare from the toast and marmalade and chicken sausages prepared for us and the rest of the family. Eat up, Banga. I made your favorite, Lanny said before moving back to the kitchen. It was just as well that Sophie was the one eating with us, since she was the one who Nana wanted to check on anyway. She asked if she had any nightmares last night. Sophie quietly shook her head, but Nana didn't buy it. She asked again, and this time, Sophie replied that she was not allowed to talk about it. Nana gently explained that Mrs. Castillo had told us about her problem and that we were here to help. She just needed to know if our help had worked. Sophie quietly looked at her plate before finally giving a small nod. She had another nightmare yesterday, and it was worse than before. Nana was quiet. I didn't understand. The spell should have worked to trap whatever Batibat haunted this house. Sophie should have had the best sleep she's had in days. I knew for a fact Nana could not have messed up that spell, so something outside of her control must have happened. Nana didn't say anything, except to ask Sophie to describe her dream. She was quiet and picked at her food with her spoon. I was about to say something encouraging when she finally started to speak. It began with a small shadow in the corner of her room. You're listening to Hainai by Motsi Dapul. If you would like to listen to the rest of this episode, please get us to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Tell your friends, tell your family, share this around. You can also listen to the full episode by subscribing to our Patreon, patreon.com slash hainaipod, that's H-I-N-A-Y-P-O-D, where we post extra content such as bonus episodes, bonus audio, and exclusive videos such as full Q&As with a cast, and the full uncut Zoom interview with Budget Tan, famed writer of the Trece Filipino comics, which were made into a Netflix anime. As always, even though we're on a hiatus right now, we are so grateful for all the support that you have given us, and for all the people who have been listening to Hainai, whether from the beginning, or even just very recently. We hope we will reach our 1,000 subscriber goal on YouTube, so that we may be able to share this amazing episode with everybody in full. As always, 
Thank you. We love you. And hanggang sa muli.